Baseball Tonight, the podcast. This is the Baseball Tonight podcast for Monday, October 10th, 2022. And today will be better than yesterday. I'm Buster Only, working from my hotel in Queens. Sarah Abbott is working from the Sarah Abbott Studios in Bristol and working from the Schwenk Studio in uh, the foothills of Connecticut is Taylor Schwenk. Taylor, what did you think about the uh, first weekend of playoff games for this year? That was awesome, man. I mean, the new format rules. I mean, just wall-to-wall baseball every day. I wish we would have gotten, you know, maybe one more game three. But, I mean, every game was basically entertaining. I mean, I wasn't a big fan of the Guardians race, but, uh, you know, baseball purists. I mean, there was probably a lot of people taking joy from those, especially if you're a Guardians fan. I mean, the Mariners' comeback was crazy. It, it It was wild, and I'm excited for more of it tomorrow. Yeah, it feels like uh, that NCAA Thursday, you know, the yeah, first uh, yeah. as you head down March Madness that Thursday, Friday. That's what it felt like uh, over the weekend. And we're going to you're right on Tuesday. We've got four games against. That'll be fun. Now, the nuttiest moment in the weekend or one of them anyway, took place on Saturday. The Blue Jays had an eight to one lead over the Mariners. But you know what? The Mariners came back. Here was the game time play. Bases loaded two down. And the pitch, a swing and a ball hit in the air, shallow center field, could be trouble, and it is! It drops in, and three runs will score on the play, and two Blue Jays are down and injured. Bo Bichette and George Springer are both down after colliding in shallow center field. That was Dan Schulman on ESPN Radio, so that tied the score at 9-all. Here's what happened in the top of the ninth. Adam Frazier, he's just looking to try to bring in the go-ahead run as he swings and lines it to right field, and he's hit it all the way down into the corner. Raleigh will come in to score. It's a double for Frazier, and the Mariners' dugout has erupted as they have taken a 10-9 lead here in the top of the ninth inning. That would be the final score. The Mariners eliminate the Blue Jays. Here's Adam Frazier right after the game with Coley Harvey. Adam, we're looking right over here. The people in Seattle are looking at you right now. That ninth inning hit, you jumped all over the first pitch. Why did you think that you could deliver right there? Well, I was hoping to give me one right there. Uh, you know, facing the inning before, so had a clue what, what was coming and uh, what it looked like. So um, it gave me one, I got to it, and I'm just happy it felt. What a crazy game. You guys were down as much as seven runs at one point. I was looking in the dugout. You guys stayed in it throughout the entire game. How were you guys able to do that? Man, I don't know. Just... Uh, I mean, that's that's our, our brand of baseball this year. Just fight, you know, one at a time. Keep the line moving. Um, you know, our pitchers have been so good all year. Felt good to pick them up this time. Speaking of keeping the line moving, you guys are keeping it going. Next round, what is your message to Seattle as this magical season continues? <laughs> Let's go, baby. That's what I got. Let's go. Here's Blue Jays pitcher Kevin Gossman talking about watching this lead evaporate. Heartbreaking loss. Um, you know, tough to watch. Uh, you know, it sucks when you're you're out of the game and you don't have any any more say in it, right? So um, you're essentially just watching and hoping. Um, you know, yeah, that was that was tough. Yeah. So the Blue Jays go home. The Mariners move on. They'll be playing the Houston Astros in the division series. The Guardians and Rays played scoreless baseball into the 15th inning in Cleveland, and then this happened. And a veteran rocks and delivers. Swing at a high fly. Deep left center. That is back there, back there. Gone! Gonzalez walks it off for the Guardians. And this place is banana. That yeah, was Dave O'Brien on ESPN Radio. The Guardians now move on to play the Yankees. The Phillies and the Cardinals on Saturday in St. Louis. And Bryce Harper got the Phillies going. Overshift on for the left-handed batting. Harper drives the pitch. Deep right field. Way back. Gone. Home run, Bryce Harper. Roxy Bernstein on ESPN Radio. The Phillies' lead was 2-0 in the bottom of the eighth. St. Louis was rallying. Ready is Dominguez. And the 1-2. Swing and a miss. Struck him out. Got him with the slider. Back-to-back strikeout. Sir Anthony Dominguez strands the runners and keeps the Cardinals off the board. Yeah, and this is what it sounded like in the ninth inning. The 2-2 to Edmund. 
Swing and a pop-up. Foul ground, maybe a play. Sosa racing over, makes the catch in front of the Phillies' dugout, and the Phillies have won the wild-card series. The Phillies move on to play the Atlanta Braves in a series that start on Tuesday. And by the way, just as we started the podcast, the Braves announced that they've signed Spencer Strider to a six-year, $75 million deal. The Atlanta Braves, Taylor, just locking up everybody. Like they've got, like it feels like half their team signed for years to come, and they've got a group, a great young group of players. You're relaying that news to me right now, and I cannot. What a steal. Are you kidding me? 75 for six years? I, that's that's incredible stuff, Braves. Yeah. Got to hand it to you. They are very well run. They're locking up their young guys, uh, and they, you know, essentially what's going to be team-friendly deals. Pretty impressive. Now, on Sunday afternoon, we got word from the Yankees that Aroldis Chapman went AWOL on Friday, not showing up to the park to throw batting practice. Yankees manager Aaron Boone spoke with him. And after their conversation, basically told him to stay home. Uh, and really, it gives the Yankees an easy out to remove him from their roster when he probably isn't high on their list of options anyway. Matt Carpenter, by the way, says he's ready to come off the roster without restrictions after rec- recovering from a broken foot. As Yankees general manager Brian Cashman spoke with reporters about the Chapman situation, he was asked about the forthcoming Aaron Judge situation, and he referred to to uh, the talks and the big money that Aaron Judge, the bet they made on himself this year, is being lucrative. He said, there's a pot of gold there. It's yet to be determined what the gold, how much it weighs, but it's a pot of gold, no doubt about it. So good for him. It was already a big pot, and obviously it'll be bigger. Now, uh, on the other side of New York last night, the Mets played host of the Padres in the only game three in the wild card round. In game two, the Padres had stepped out on Jacob DeGrom constantly, and then they used that same strategy again on Sunday night against Chris Bassett. Austin Nola was at the plate for San Diego. 0-2. Swing a ground ball left side. It is through. Base hit. One run scores. Kim waved around third. Cato will throw it into third. And on an 0-2 pitch, the number nine hitter, Nola, knocks one through the left side. San Diego shatters the scoreless tie the second. It is 2-0 Padres in game three. That was Kevin Brown on play-by-play for ESPN Radio. Joe Musgrove was outstanding. 3-2. Swing and a miss. Musgrove got him. A fastball away for Joe Musgrove. Second strikeout. And the perfect game is maintained through four innings. Yeah, he would just keep rolling along until the bottom of the sixth inning when Buck Showalter emerged from the Mets' dugout. Buck Showalter is walking onto the field, and we'll see what this is about. He's going to talk to Alfonso Marquez at first base, and now Joe Musgrove is kind of looking over there at the manager of the Mets, wondering what's this all about. All right, would you assume this has something to do with some of the numbers that you've been citing, the spin right up what is this well, when you see a manager go out like that at the start of an inning and the umpires get together and talk about it generally you want to check the pitcher for something that's what i'm assuming now i won't go that far until they start checking joe musgrove but certainly buck showalter has mentioned it to us in in his pregame meetings about spin rates being way up Yeah, and that was, of course, Carl Ravitch and David Cohn on our broadcast last night. Joe Musgrove was checked. The umpires determined they couldn't find anything, and he continued to dominate. Here was Joe Musgrove at the end of the sixth inning. Two and two for Nito, and he struck him out. A big hook. Ooh. A big hook and a big look. dugout and he's still looking into the Mets dugout. In the top of the eighth inning, Juan Soto provided the coup de gras. Chop to the left side. Wide of the third base back fair. That will bring in two runs. Soto holds it first with the ball retrieved by Canna, but Juan Soto takes Diaz for a ride on a bouncing ball down the third base line for a two-run single. It is six-nothing San Diego. And here's what it sounded like in the bottom of the ninth. A soft ground ball to third. Machado charges, stops, fields, throws, and the San Diego. 
Phillies are going to Los Angeles. They will fly cross country and they don't even need a plane to do it on the backs of a one-hit shutout to win the National League Wild Card Series, stunning the 101-win New York Mets, a 6-0 final at City Field. Right after the game, I spoke with Joe Musgrove in front of the Padres' dugout. You pitched your hometown team in the division series against the Los Angeles Dodgers. How does it feel? Excited, man. Ready to get it going. This is the first step, getting past these guys. a tough team over there. Um, I mean, a lot of credit to Nolan and I. He put down all the right fingers. I was just focused on sole execution, and uh, we're able to get it done. What do you felt, feel like you did well tonight? I mean, I had a lot of stuff working, man. I located the ball really well, which is the thing. We talked about it yesterday in the press conference. It all comes down to execution. Um, the game plan was there, but if you don't execute, it's not worth much. So um, executing really well, really good defense behind me. Grisham makes a huge play out in center. Soto out in right. Um, was able to get him on the ground early, and we quieted this place down pretty quick in the, in the second inning with those two runs. So, yeah. The bottom of the sixth inning is about to begin. You see Buck Walter talking with the umpires. What was going through your mind? Yeah, I mean, I figured he was, I've seen him do it before, checking the pitcher. Um, I mean, I get it, dude. They're on their last leg. They're desperate. They're going everything they can to get me out of the game at that point. Um, I mean, it is what it is, so. Saw so you gesture toward their dugout. How were you feeling during that time? Yeah, I mean, it, it motivated me a little bit, man. It fired me up. I had been throwing the ball well all night, and they were doing everything they could to get me out of there. So, you know, opportunity to stick it to them a little bit and stick it to the crowd. I took it, and then I had to get back to work. So there's a lot of focus on your ears, a lot of images. For the record, what was on your ears? I don't know. He was checking me. He said there's nothing on there, so, yeah. How about facing the Dodgers now? Yeah, I mean, we, they're a tough team, man. We know what we're getting into. Um, I think we played them better down the stretch. Um, it just, again, comes down to execution and, uh, and composure, man. Getting ahead early in the game, taking a lead for our starters to roll with. Here was Buck Showalter after the game giving his perspective. You know, we have privy to a lot of things that uh, point in that direction. Obviously, you know, I, I love him as a pitcher. I always have. And uh, that's the only thing I kind of, you know, I feel kind of bad about is that it, it, that it won't cast anything. He's too good a pitcher and they're too good a, you know, those Without getting into a lot of things, you know, the spin rates and different things that you, I'm sure you're all aware of, you know, when you see something that, uh, that jumps out at you. I get a lot of information in the dugout that, uh, you know, we certainly weren't having much luck uh, the way it was going, that's for sure. But, you know, I'm charged with doing what's best for the New York Mets, and if it makes, you know, however it might make me look or, uh, or whatever, I'm going to do that every time. Taylor, what else you got? Buster, our listeners should be checking out the Dominique Foxworth show coming out on Tuesdays and Thursdays. You can listen to him wherever you get your podcasts or you can watch him on YouTube as well. He covers the NFL and he is excellent at it. So check him out. The Dominique Foxworth show. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. You can now stream the most MLB games on DirecTV without a satellite dish. Yes, the clutch hits, the strikeouts, grand salamis, web gems, with nothing on your roof. So whoever's up there, whether it's roofers, Santa, birds, old-timey chimney sweeps, moody teenagers, thrill-seeking raccoons, you name it, they won't find a satellite dish. But you will find your MLB games on DirecTV. That means DirecTV is your home for baseball this season. Root, root, root with nothing on your roof. Call 1-800-DIRECTV or visit directtv.com. Sign up today. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Seam heads rejoice. This is Timmy time. Baseball is the greatest game. With Tim Kirkson. It never disappoints you. On Baseball Tonight. Tim Kirkson covers baseball for ESPN, which means this time of year, Tim, you, you don't really know whether you're coming or going. You have no idea where you are. You're trying to keep track of your schedule. You got a plane to catch. You're running off someplace. Where are you today? Uh, at the moment, I'm home, but just for a couple hours. And I'm going to Atlanta this afternoon to do the uh, radio tomorrow with Carl Ravitch on the Braves against the Phillies. I just got back from Toronto. 
took me a long time to get through customs and um, I'm feeling good. I got a series coming up and I know where I am and where I'm going next. And that's good because sometimes you don't know that this time of year. Now, I've got a lot to get to today because we got to talk about the Mariner series, uh, the comeback on Saturday that you saw. We got to talk about just Joe Musgrove and Buck Showalter, what happened last night. But it took you a while to get through customs. What's the deal there? Well, I was in Toronto and I haven't been to Toronto in a while. So, um, you know, and I have all the I pay for all these stupid things. You know, I've got uh, TSA pre, I've got the clear, I've got the cream and the clear. And it <laughs> it took me a long time to get there was none of that set up in Toronto. So I w- I've been a little spoiled getting through airports. And it was close to an hour and a half from the time I got in line to the time I got through customs. So when you laugh at me all the time about getting there early, I got the last laugh yesterday because if I had been like on normal time, I would have missed my flight home. And you can't do that this time of year. No, because there's too much to to do and to get to. So you got... uh... Uh, you know, the Atlanta Braves series coming up, which would be a lot of fun. And we're going to talk about that as well. Uh, but we got to dive into what happened at City Field last night. Joe Musgrove was absolutely dominant. One hit allowed in seven innings. And in the midst of that, uh, our old friend, co-worker Buck Showalter had the umpires checking for foreign substances. What'd you think? Well, I wasn't surprised. The The Mets were in trouble. Buck is the master calculator. He's always trying to do something to get his team ready to win a game, and he's doing whatever it takes to disrupt the other team as long as he does it fairly, um, and it didn't work. It looked like it worked the opposite. It looked like Joe Musgrove threw even better after that because he said after the game it just kind of fired me up. Was it – was it a bad thing to do? I don't think so. Uh, is Buck just looking out for his team? Yes. Am I going to support Buck on most things? Absolutely. Um, but I, I wasn't surprised. I've seen it done before, and I've seen him do something like that before. Let's talk about Joe Musgrove before we dive into the Buck Showalter side of this. Uh, you and I have, have known uh, Joe for a long time. This is someone, not only one of the you know great guys that you're going to meet, but absurdly talented. He is really good, and he is really smart, too. He's really funny. He is so well-spoken. Whenever I need, you know, some good line from somebody on something, he's one of my go-to guys because he's that bright. But it's but the brightness also goes to the way that he pitches because, as we know, Buster, he doesn't throw 100 miles an hour. He doesn't have one pitch that is unhittable like so many other guys, but he has such a great field for pitching And he's got a great feel for the moment. I mean, here's a San Diego kid who gets traded to the Padres and ends up pitching the first no-hitter in the history of the franchise. And then last night becomes the first pitcher in the history of the game in a winner-take-all game to throw seven scoreless innings, allowing one or no hits in a winner-take-all game. So when they really needed him, he was at his best. And he told his catcher before the game, he said, I'm going to have the best game of my life tonight. And then he did. That's amazing. Yeah, he he really is. And I can tell you this. I mean, his stuff was so good good early in the game. You know, in between innings, you know, there's always that running conversation between the producer and the the broadcasters in the booth. Um, and I asked David Cohn and and Eduardo Perez, okay, when do we start taking this uh, perfect game no hitter seriously? Because we were through four innings and no uh, med had gotten on base. And David Cohn, who's thrown a perfect game, said to us, you now, you start taking this seriously now, because early on he was saying, look, the bottom line is, is that uh, Musgrove's stuff is better than Chris Bassett's stuff. Yeah, and again, um, to know what to do with that stuff is the most important thing. Remember when he pitched the no-hitter buster, there was some tremendous number about velocity or number of fastballs thrown. It just didn't make sense that he could throw a no-hitter with either that number of fastballs or velocity or something, but it just shows you when you know what you're doing out there, especially with today's hitters, and you can identify, this is what the guy's trying to do to me. I can beat it if I do that. That's where Joe Musgrove is so, so good. Yeah, so... Uh, after the game, Gary Cohn, who, as you know, was just nominated for Baseball's Hall of Fame with the Broadcaster Award, 
was on the Mets postgame show and had this to say about what Buck Showalter did. Well, let me phrase this the right way. Okay. Buck Showalter is completely within his rights to ask the umpires to check a pitcher for foreign substances. It's up to the umpires then to decide whether it's an appropriate thing to do. I thought that considering the circumstances, 4 nothing, sixth inning, season on the line, it smacked of desperation, and it was fairly embarrassing, I thought, for Buck to do that in that spot. It was not necessary, and as it turned out, Musgrove was not cheating. I think if you... If you're going to pull a stunt like that, you better be right. And Buck wasn't right. So, Tim, I, I was just thinking about this last night. You remember that famous uh, game in which Michael Pineda was pitching in, in uh, Fenway Park. Uh, and our cameras on ESPN caught that gob of pine tar that was on his neck. And uh, it got a lot, lot of prominence out on the mound. It was a really cold night in Fenway Park. And John Farrell, the Red Sox manager, walked out and asked the umpires to check uh, Pineda. And he was ejected. He was suspended. And and the next day, I talked to John about that. And he said, I didn't want to have him checked. But here's the situation. Everybody on TV saw this gob of stuff on his neck. And I'm in a position where I have to do it. Like, if this is what's being talked about, I almost have no choice. And I thought in some respects with Buck last night, there was a little bit of that going on because I know on social media, there was a lot of conversation. You had Brandon McCarthy, uh, the former pitcher, basically come out and and say, yeah, he's using something. I was getting texts. You may have been getting texts from people in baseball saying, look at his ear, look at his ears, look at all the shiny stuff. They were looking at the spin rate information, which Buck had seen, I'm sure, during the course of the game, there was a conversation before the game about the increased spin rates. As you know, there's a general perception around baseball that the sticky stuff is back in the game. And if you're Buck Showalter and you are, I'm sure, getting that feedback behind the scenes during the course of the game, he may have felt a little bit like John Farrell did where, geez, if I don't say something, are my bosses going to come down on me? Are fans going to come down on me? I know John Farrell felt like he almost had no choice. I wonder if that was the situation with Buck. I I think so. Everyone at home, everyone on TV could see that. And if you can see it on TV and you can see it in the ballpark, it's almost an obligation to at least and go ask about. Did it smack of desperation, as Gary Cohn said? It probably did. But was it embarrassing? It was not embarrassing. He had to try something. Look, again, you're down four to nothing in the sixth inning. Maybe you're trying something, anything, to get your team fired up or throw off the other team. But I think I think Buck looked at it and said, I, I better ask. I'm the manager of the Mets, and if, I, if I'll be asked first thing after the game. Did you notice anything on his ear if he didn't go out there? So I'm going to give him a pass on this. That was not embarrassing. Yeah, I don't, Tim, I don't know. Speaking about the Padres now as we go forward, uh, I don't know if I'm going to pick them to beat the Dodgers in the next round. Probably not. I would say there were a lot of things that I saw in the Padres over the last few days that made me think that they're more dangerous than maybe we would think after how the Dodgers have basically dominated them in big games over the last couple of years. One, uh, their starting pitching is excellent. So I think in that regard, they can match up with the Dodgers. As we know, the Dodgers uh, – uh, bullpen's a little bit cracked, and there are a lot of issues. I don't think the Padres necessarily have a lot of depth in their bullpen. But I would say this. I think Manny Machado, assuming he's okay, we saw him uh, kind of tweak his knee a little bit last night. He's playing at an incredibly high level right now. He's terrific. You're seeing Grisham have a great series. Josh Bell have a great series. Juan Soto, you get the feeling, is working his way back after that slow second half. Those are some really good players, Tim. Yeah, look, I'm not going to pick them to beat the Dodgers, but you're right about all of this, but you're especially right about the starting pitching. When they get those guys in order with the way Blake Snell has thrown, he has been tremendous for his last 14 starts. His RA is just over two. You Darvish, we know, is still a dominant pitcher when he's right. And Joe Musgrove proved to everyone last night what he can do. 
And you got Josh Hader at the end. He's figured it out also. Remember, the Nationals basically won the World Series in 2019 because they had three starting pitchers who did most of the work, and their bullpen was great, especially at the end. That's that's the formula that the Padres have. But if they're going to beat the Dodgers, then Juan Soto has to be at his very, very best. And I'm starting to see signs that it looks like he's swinging the bat like the great play, great hitter that we know he is. We hadn't seen much of that in San Diego, but we saw it against the Mets a couple times. All right. So this offseason is going to be a, a winter of change for the Mets because they have so many free agents. Uh, and Steve Cohen, their owner, has made it clear Look, uh, the standard here is essentially World Series or bust. Uh, you know, he talked about winning a World Series within three to five years. Next year is three, year three of that. Uh, and they got to have some tough decisions. Edwin Diaz, their closer, maybe the best season we've seen from a closer in five or six years, uh, you know, striking out half the hitters that he faced. People are wondering if he's going to be the first reliever to get $100 million. Jacob DeGrom uh, has indicated he's going to opt out of his contract. Uh, Chris Bassett's a free agency, uh, excuse me, a free agent. Uh, to me, the the most perfect fit for this team, based on what they need, based on what the roster looks like, is going to be available in Aaron Judge. What do you think is going to happen with the Mets this winter? Well, for a team that won 101 games, that was a really bad finish to the season. And Met fans should be thrilled with the way this season went to win that many more games than the year before. But it doesn't sit well if they lost a 10-and-a-half game lead and then didn't make it to the division series. So I think Steve Cohen, being a fan first, basically, is going to do something to rectify that. And, boy, I can't believe I'm going to say this, Buster, but you have to hit more more home runs if yep. you're going to win in the major leagues these days. And that's what Aaron judge would bring. The Mets had a pretty good offensive team this year, but they didn't hit the ball out of the ballpark. Not like the Braves did not like the Dodgers do. So they need to add another huge bat. And I don't think it's out of the question that they just go overwhelm Aaron judge and say, you don't even have to move. You can come play for us. Uh, do I think that's going to happen? Great hesitation there, but let's say they do get him. They're off. Offense is a significantly better offense if they were to get him, but they would still have to deal with the pitching if Bassett leaves through free agency and if DeGrom opts out and goes somewhere else, both of which are certainly possibilities. Same with the closer. Yeah, I got to say that what happened on Friday and Saturday, I don't think helps the chances as a last impression uh, for the 2022 season for the, the chances for DeGrom coming back. Because you had Max Scherzer, who the, the Mets just gave, you know, 43 .3 million to in a three-year deal last winter, go out. I think he clearly was not right. He wound up pitching half of the regular season game. He wasn't healthy for a lot of the season. He didn't look like he is healthy in Friday night, although Max, because he's a gamer, insisted that he was okay. If you're Steve Cohen, first off, you know that if you're going to retain Jacob DeGrom, given what he's accomplished with the team, you're probably going to have to offer him about as much as what Scherzer got, right, annually. So what is that? Because uh, DeGrom is younger than Max. Does that mean four years and $40 million a year? And if that's what the contract would be, would you want Max Scherzer, Jacob DeGrom in the next two years paying those two guys in their mid to late 30s at that point, $80 million a year between the two of them? I, I, I So I... I just, after watching that on, on Friday where, you know, Max was, uh, you know, clearly wasn't right, and DeGrom in the middle of his start, suddenly it felt like he lost confidence in his fastball, and he wound up uh, being a, you know, a six innings outing. I don't know if if Steve, the Mets front office, necessarily going to want to do that. Yeah, it's, it's such a difficult decision now because when those guys are right and you can pair them up, they're still as good as any twosome in the game. But we saw at the end, Buster, neither one of them was right at the end no. of the season. And you said it about Scherzer's oblique. He's got to get that, you know, really fixed in the offseason. And with DeGrom, as great as he was, his last few starts were not great. And there was always this wonder, you know, is he okay? Is he going to be able to pitch on regular rest? Does he need an extra day and if you're going to pay somebody 40 million dollars a year for three years i think you need a little bit more certainty than that yeah which is why you know investing in a position player like aaron judge would be uh 
perhaps the safer move. It's it's going to be interesting to see what they do this one. All right, let's talk about some of the other series. Tell me about what you saw on Saturday with the Mariners in Toronto. Well, Buster, you know, my late father had a great feel for the game. He was a really good player, and he really understood what he was watching. He used to tell me all the time, when weird things start happening to a team and make you shake your head once in a while, maybe you start to think something special is going on there. And now I'm absolutely certain that something special is going on in Seattle to not only make the playoffs for the first time in 21 years, but win the clinch the way that they clinched, and then to come back and win that game on Saturday. That game was so over, and they said, not today. They're the third team in postseason history to come back and win a game that were there down seven runs, 1929 A's and then 2008 Red Sox, and to come back and win that game, and I'm – broadcasting the game and I can't even believe what I'm watching, watching it unfold. But it's just another reminder that as weird an offensive team as they are, Buster, they hit 230 as a team this year and made the playoffs. The only other team that's hit 230 and made the playoffs in a full season was the 1906 White Sox, who at 230 hit seven homers the whole year and won the World Series. They find a way to get people on base. Cal Raleigh got some huge hits. That guy is, he's a folk hero in the making already in Seattle. And the way Luis Castillo threw the other night and some of those bullpen arms, uh, I'm not saying Seattle's going to beat Houston and, and go on and do great things. I'm just saying something special is happening in Seattle. So, Tim, doesn't it feel like the, the, the dynamic uh, in the Seattle-Houston series is very similar to the San Diego Dodgers series? Where when you look at regular season results, uh, you know, the the team that finished higher in the standings uh, dominated that series, essentially dominated a lot of the play. But on the other hand, I think the familiarity makes it easier for the Mariners or for the Padres to go through this series because they know these guys like they're not going to be in all these guys much in the same way. You know, in recent years, we saw the Rays play really play well against the Yankees because they see them all the time. Yeah, there's no doubt. And, um, you know, the key with Seattle will be Robbie Ray, who was not good in his start on Saturday. His last four starts of the regular season, he had a 527 ERA. Houston hit him hard this year. So they're going to have to figure out, you know, how to make him better. Or do they, they slip George Kirby, who, by the way, was wildly impressive as a rookie in his postseason debut, pitching the the ninth inning the other day. Wow, that was really, really impressive. But I just I just don't know how you beat uh, Houston's pitching right now. It is so, so good. Bullpen, but more important in the rotation, and they can score runs. But, um, yeah, I, I don't think that Mariners will be intimidated by um, the Astros because I sense being around the Mariners the last four days, they're not intimidated by anything or anybody. Are you joining me on the bandwagon and saying, I think the Guardians are going to beat the Yankees uh, in their division series? What do you think? Well, I haven't figured that out yet. I I picked the Yankees to win the series, but the way the Guardians pitched one run in 24 innings against uh, Tampa Bay, the way Tristan McKenzie threw in game two, Cal Quantrill, the last 17 starts he's made, the team has won 16 of them. And, you know, Shane Bieber is tremendous. So I think... I think they're really good pitching-wise, and the guy at the end of the game, of course, is as good as there is. I love their defense. I love the way they put the ball in play. I, I just am not going to put them ahead of the, of the Yankees just yet, even though the Aroldis Chapman news was just stunning to me, Buster. Seriously, we, we ask like two things from our players, right? Just show up on time and play hard. That's all anyone has ever asked of any player, and he didn't even show up. How could that happen at this time of year? And that's, to me, uh, you know, that's only one symptom of a larger problem with the Yankees in that we don't really know how their bullpen is going to function during the course of this postseason. It's pretty rare that a team, you know, wins 100 games like the, these Yankees did or, you know, had a, a, you know, a great season the way these Yankees did and go into an October and not really know Who's going to pitch the sixth inning? Who's going to pitch the seventh, eighth, ninth inning? Now, we know Aroldis Chapman's not going to because he lost that role a long time ago. But part of the fraying of this group over the course of the season 
uh, was, you know, Chapman's regression, uh, seeing Clay Holmes seemingly lose confidence in that fastball, you know, being dropped out of the role. Uh, Jonathan Loisega threw the ball better at this at season's end, but in the middle, he was kind of uncertain. So it's not like he's looked at as being a lockdown guy. That bullpen for me, Tim, just too many question marks. Yeah, a lot of them. And, and this is where we don't do this anymore, Buster, but I would do it. I would go to those four starters who have a chance to be dominant in the postseason. And I would tell Cole and Cortez and Tyone and Severino, you guys are going an extra inning, every one of you, every night. Maybe two. We're going to push you guys this is our only chance to get to and to win the World Series is we need more starting pitching because we have less of a bullpen. We'll see if they can respond, but we push our starting pitchers so seldom these days. I think this would be a good time to do that. All right. Uh, the series you're doing, the Braves and Phillies. What's your read on the Phillies and whether or not they can uh, can move on after upsetting St. Louis in St. Louis? Well, the Phillies have played pretty well lately. We know they can hit the ball out of the ballpark. They're, we know their defense is suspect, but and we know their bullpen has been suspect, but they're trying something new. Zach Eflin at the end, and, you know, Alvarado has been ridiculously good all year. They're mixing and matching. So I, I gave them a chance against the Cardinals, even though I picked the Cardinals, but I just think they're running into a Braves team that is – just too good right now you know they're they're gonna face max freed in game one and without nola and without wheeler in game one and two lined up i would have a different feel if wheeler was pitching one and nola two but this is why winning the division gives you such an enormous advantage is you get to line up your pitching meanwhile the two best pitchers on the phillies will not neither one will be starting Game one. So that's that just gives the advantage to the Braves, who also hit the ball out of the ballpark better than any team in the National League. They know how to play this time of year. And and if Spencer Strider is indeed going to be able to pitch in this series, what a boost that would be. 13 strikeouts per nine innings. And you didn't even have him for the last two and a half weeks. Boy, a ridiculous bullpen option. <laughs> like, I mean, we saw him on opening night, right? We did, uh, and I'm Atlanta I was, just coming out of the bullpen and just throwing rockets. I remember texting my son saying, "You need to pick this guy up for your fantasy team. He's crazy good, <laughs> right?" And he he was crazy good all season. So I I have to pick the Braves here, but um, the the first round always teaches us just be careful what you're doing because it's the postseason and anything can happen in October. All right, before you go, Tim, uh, the person coming on after you in the podcast is Sarah Langs. Um, as you know, she uh, announced on Twitter last week that she has ALS. Uh, when you saw that, when you saw the reaction to her, including when they put her name up on the scoreboard uh, and saying that they support her, uh, you know, what was going through your heart? Well, as you know, my brother has ALS, so I, we've been dealing with this for year and a half in our house. And when I heard the news about Sarah, it just tore me to pieces. She is... One of the great people I've ever met, her feel for the game and her love for the game is virtually unprecedented. Um, her understanding of what a good statistic is and what is important in the game is almost unmatched, certainly of any female I've ever met, but maybe any man I've ever met. Um, she's so good at this and she cares so much and I am heartbroken by this, but she is really strong and I'm really impressed with how she's handled this so far. So um, I pray for her every night. Tim, the way that I described her uh, last week in a couple of places, that she's the uh, the first person that I've met who has a greater passion for baseball than you. And I know you, you'll take that <laughs> in stride. Oh, I take that in stride, and I take that as a compliment. I love it when Sarah tweets, and her, the last line of most of her tweets are, Baseball is the best, and there's nothing more accurate than that, and there's no better person to deliver that line than Sarah Langs. All right, Tim. Well, have fun down in Atlanta. I'll be watching. Okay. See you, Buster. Vivid Seats wants to get you to the games you love this spring. Experience every pitch, assist, and game-winning shot live and in person. And the best part? Each transaction is a step toward a free 11 ticket with Vivid Seats rewards. Score unbeatable perks like free tickets, 
surprise seat upgrades, and annual birthday deals. As the official ticketing partner of ESPN, Vivid Seats is offering you $20 off your first $200 ticket purchase with Code Baseball. That's Code Baseball. Visit VividSeats.com or download the app today. Vivid Seats, experience it live. We're driven by the search for better. When it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of the show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Buster. Just go to Indeed.com slash Buster right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Buster. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is the Numbers Game with Sarah Langs. Sarah Langs, reporter, producer for MLB.com. Sarah, how you doing this morning? I'm doing great, Buster. How are you? I'm doing great, in part because I know that I get to talk to you pretty much every day during the course of these daily uh, podcasts that we're going to have during the playoffs. So we can talk numbers game. We can talk situations. Thanks for uh, Thanks for joining us in the month of October. Oh, my gosh. I mean, I'm so honored, and I can't wait. It's the best time of the year. Thank you so much. All right. I wanted to get your take on what happened at City Field last night. I, I was telling Tim about my conversation with John Farrell after he had Michael Pineda checked, where John Farrell it just he didn't feel like he had a choice, given all the information that was out there. What was your take on what Buck did last night with Musgrove? You know, this is certainly another moment where I'm so glad I would never be in a spot like that because I do think it's a really tough spot. You know, I've Twitter open during the game. You can see that it was a talking point, whether rightfully so or not. You can see that momentum building. And we have, you know, information that the team is also privy to with spin rates, things like that. Now, as was mentioned on the broadcast, Ben does go up with velocity. His velo was up. He was amped up. I think there may be kind of a correlation there, but I, I certainly understand where the desire to at least address what was going on, what was being talked about comes from. I have no idea what I would have done in a situation like that. Again, very glad that I don't have to, but of course there are a lot of people involved in something like that. Yeah. And I don't blame Joe, Joe Musgrove for his reaction at all. Like I thought Joe was great in, uh, you know, on the field and he's entitled to it. If you get checked and they don't have find anything on you and you continue to dominate, you know what? It's all fair game. Yeah, absolutely. And I actually, I mean, there were two things that stood out to me. The fact that he remained totally calm during the entire thing, you know, I think that kind of, to me, at least as a viewer, that kind of answered the question because, you know, defensiveness is usually part of guilt, but he was totally calm, turned toward the dugout. Of course, you're entitled to do that after getting through the inning and everything he said to you on the field after the game I think we were all thinking, sitting and watching. It did fire him up further. So, you know, I think it's got to be a really great feeling as a pitcher to know that they checked you for that because you were so good that night. Yeah, he he was unbelievable. Your stat was great. 
about uh, you know the, his final pitching line in a in a winner take all game. All right, let's play the numbers game. Number three. Number three is one. So speaking of that, Joe Musgrove allowed just one hit last night. He became the first pitcher in postseason history to go seven or more innings and allow fewer than two hits, so one or zero, in a winner-take-all game. And the one hit that the Padres allowed was the fewest allowed by any team in a winner-take-all game. So, of course, if you want to spin that the other way, the Mets were the first team to be held to just one hit in a winner-take-all game. This was the 127th winner-take-all game in postseason history. It's a pretty decent sample size at this point. Number two. Number two is 14. So I figure we need to wrap up the weekend. 14 innings is how many innings the Guardians and Rays were scoreless through on Saturday. After playing a two-hour and 17-minute game on Friday, they came back with a 15-inning game on Saturday, which is just perfect in Prairie Baseball. So it was the first game in postseason history to be scoreless through 14 innings. Oscar Gonzalez was the fourth rookie to hit a postseason walk-off home run. He joined Colton Wong in 2014, Chris Burke in 2005, and Alfonso Soriano in 01. And only Gonzalez's and Burks were to clinch a series. Number one. Number one is seven. So we're talking numbers game. We have to talk about the comeback the Mariners had on Saturday in Toronto. They won after trailing 8-1 in Toronto to clinch a series. So that was the largest comeback by any team in a postseason road game. It was the largest comeback win in postseason history to clinch a series. And it was tied for the second largest comeback win in any postseason game. The only larger comeback in a postseason game was eight runs by the A's in 1929 in the World Series. So I think it's okay if we didn't quite remember it in the moment, but we had it on the list. I mean, just incredible. Seven runs. Very upsetting to see the injury that happened in the midst of that collision with George Springer and Bo Bichette. But overall, just an amazing moment for a team that has been so chaotic and exciting all year. So how sad is it that I remember the comeback and I was remembering the 1929 comeback. <laughs> I, I can say that Tim covered it. I didn't cover that in 1929. Uh, hey, before you go, I uh, want you to hear from uh, someone you know well, Mandy Bell. Get a listen. Thank you, Buster, so much for the time. There are a few things that Sarah likes besides baseball. I know it seems sort of shocking, but one of them is running, and so I'm going to be running her favorite half marathon in Disney in January to help raise both money and awareness for the ALS community. Half of that money will be going to whatever ALS charity Sarah would like it to go to, but the other half, and I'm still fighting with her about this, but my plans are for the other half to be going to her. Now, of course, Sarah never wants to make anything about herself and always wants to focus on others, which we all love about her and appreciate, of course, but I'm going to try to bully her into taking this money because we all love her and we want to be making sure that she's taken care of as well. So I started a GoFundMe page, which you can find on my Twitter handle, at MandyBell02, to try to make the community in the ALS world just a better place. Not enough people know about this disease, despite how long it's been around, and even fewer people realize that some as young as Sarah can be diagnosed with it. The more awareness we raise, the better off we will all be. So thank you so much for allowing me to explain this. And Sarah, hi, I love you. <laughs> so it sounds like, Sarah, you got a fight coming with your good friend, Manny Bell. There's going to be quite the fight at Disney in January or whenever we make that decision. But, oh, my gosh, thank you. 
Thank you, Mandy. And I can't say enough to thank everybody who has donated already. I am so excited to make a huge donation to the scientific community. My mother is a scientist. Some of you heard from her uh, last year when the Giants were good, when they clinched the postseason spot. And uh, being able to donate to ALS Research is really important to me. When Mandy told me this idea she had, there was a lot of crying. There's been a lot of crying for a long time for so many reasons, but especially over the last few days. And that idea of hers, just to give her some credit, she had never run in her life before she came up with this idea, maybe more than a mile. And here she is planning to run 13.1. So wow. very grateful. And thank you for uh, surprising me with her. <laughs> All right, Sarah. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Thanks so much for having me. After the game, as the Padres are celebrating, Manny Machado spoke with Michael Eaves on SportsCenter. Give a listen. And joining us now, Manny Machado, three RBI in this series, and he drove in those runs in the two games that the San Diego Padres won. I want to talk about big picture in a moment, Manny, but I want to start with Joe Musgrove and the effort he gave you guys Sunday night. When did you know that he was locked in? As soon as I knew he was going to get the ball for game three. Uh, you know, I've... Joe's one of the most prepared guys. He's going to go out there and he's going to compete every single day. And, um, you know, as a team, as an organization, as a, as a city, I don't think we wanted anybody else but Joe on that mound tonight. Obviously, in a situation like this, you get amped up. Batters, hitters, pitchers, of course, obviously. And we saw that from Musgrove to the point, Manny, that it seems as though Buck Walter said he's pitching too well tonight. Something must be up. They go out there to check. I know you were out there for part of that conversation. What were you thinking when that whole thing was going on? I have no idea. I think it's probably tactics or something, you know. I think, uh, you know, Joe's been throwing a hell of a, hell of a game there. He had one hit through through seven. Um, you know, I think they're just trying to trying to use that to their advantage, try to slow him down. Um, you know, but Joe's a competitor. He's going to go out there and compete every single day, and he's going to give us the best, and he gave us the opportunity to go out there, and we, we gave him some runs early on, and, uh, you know, the rest was history after that. You know what, as well as anyone, once you get to the postseason, you've got to have good pitching and timely hitting. You definitely had those two aspects working for you in this three-game series. As it relates to the hitting itself and the lineup, Manny, how does one guy feed off the other in a situation like this where you guys can put up a six-run spot here in this game? Just keep passing the baton like we said all year. I think we've had that message all year, and we're going to continue to do that. Um, you know, ultimately now just getting in is, is, is the hardest step. Now that you're in, it's just about – going out there and competing every single day and um you know any given night he's gonna be a big guy's gonna come up clutch and you know this whole series our mvp was grish playing hell of a defense out in center field tracking down some balls you know hitting some big homers getting some big key hits as well so you know it's gonna take 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 all of us to win yeah full team effort to say the least to go into new york and win two out of three now manny this last question i'm gonna ask you i know the baseball answer is we don't care who we play we're just gonna go out there and play our games and try to move on but you're playing the Dodgers. Yeah. Your fans. <laughs> yeah, we know. Your fans are going to be talking about it. Dodger fans are going to be talking about it because there is this <laughs> rivalry between these two squads. Be real with me, Manny. Yeah. How much juice does it <laughs> add that you will be playing the Dodgers in the next round? I think everybody wanted this series, and uh, you know we, we've been we've been looking looking up at them all, all year, and uh, you know it's going to, going out there and try to just 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 win three. That's all that matters, and. You know, definitely the fans are going to be involved going to Dodger Stadium playing two and then going back home to San Diego. Um, you know, it's been a while since we had a playoff there in front of our fans. So that's going to be epic. So, um, you know, it's going to be a hell of a ride. Uh, and it's a short ride back and forth between downtown San Diego and downtown L.A. Manny, we appreciate the time. Go enjoy the celebration tonight with your teammates. We'll see you against the Dodgers here in a couple of days. No problem. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. Bleacher Tweets. Alrighty, Buster. Bleacher Tweets for a Monday. Bleacher Tweets are brought to you by Dr. Pepper. It ain't college football season without the delicious taste of an ice-cold Dr. Pepper. The one fans deserve. David Crawley at, D at Crawley underscore David writes in, if a team chooses a player for a playoff roster, and in this case, Craig Kimbrell, uh, if that person's released and replaced on the roster during the postseason... I don't think I read that correctly. Did yeah, well, anyway, I mean, this point was, can you, can you release someone like Kimbrell? I, let's take Kim, Craig Kimbrell's name out of it and put Araldis Chapman's name in it, mm. okay? Yeah, he can be released. Um, now, 
if it it, once he's put on a roster for a series it has to be an injury that's approved by major league baseball i've been fascinated to watch this chapman thing happen because the yankees are kind of struggling with for space in their 40-man roster taylor i think you agree with me now if from their perspective you know what dude fine go home we're cutting you in the midst of the playoffs head off into free agency oh my god yeah this is a no-brainer they they can simply i mean he brings no value i guess to this point so uh, why not yep. let him go? He doesn't want to be there. So whatever. Uh, Mitchell at Tigers of Detroit writes in who has a better chance of pulling off the upset in the divisional series, the Phillies or the Mariners? Yeah, I think the Mariners do just um, look, uh, you know, the Astros to me are a prohibitive favorite to to make it to the World Series. They pick them to make it the World Series. I don't see the Phillies beating the Braves. I, no. I just don't. We'll see. Yeah. Uh, Steven DeGunther at S. DeGunther writes in with times announced for Tuesday with all four series. It's frustrating to have two games being played primarily during working hours. Why not have overlap and have game start four, six, eight, nine or similar? Surely early times won't grow the game. Any idea for the solution? Buster, you know what I would say, though? These times are really good for people who get paid to watch baseball. Um, so, <laughs> you know, I don't have a problem with them. But what do you think about uh, Steven's issue? No, I'm with you. I'm, I'm on baseball tonight this week. And I'm going to be fired up. I get to sit and watch baseball basically from noon until nine and just talk about what we saw in the games. Amazing. Right. Yeah. That, that'll be fun. Uh, and by the way, you and I, Sarah, we got to get lunch this week. Yes. Very exciting. I love when we can have a little bit of friendship time. Steven, I, I, Steven they're only a couple of days. Just to answer the question, yeah. too. Um, I, look, they're only a couple of days during the course of the, 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 you know, the year in which this happens. Opening day. Uh, you know, first game of the wild card series, second day of the wild card series, maybe, and of course on Tuesday. So uh, I think uh, you know everyone sort of lives with it. And yeah, if you're a fan of the Guardians and you're at work and that game's going on, it kind of stinks. And I think that reflected in some of the empty seats that we saw around uh, around ballparks in the divisions in the wild card series. Oh yeah, that was definitely noticeable. Adam adds at Adam adds writes in, does the new playoff format give the wildcard teams intangible advantages in the division series advantages like momentum and belief? What say you to Mariners and guardians in the ALCS? I don't know. I mean, we haven't fully seen the the downside of playing in the wildcard round manifest. And that is having your pitching jumbled, having your relievers taxed. Mm. Uh, I mentioned I'm picking the guardians to beat the Yankees in the uh, American league championship series and not picking the Mariners to beat the Astros. Don Irvine writes in the decision to leave Chapman off the ALDS roster means that they are ready to part ways with him. Yes. Um, I, I think that they were being professionally polite and keeping their options open. And then when he didn't show up on Friday, I, I think all, all bets are off. So you, uh, Matt, our friend, eater of cheese whiz and master of spreadsheets writes in, you've said you like to root for the story. What's your biggest story from the wild card round pool holes and Yachty's careers close out. The uh, Mariners fighting back and the Blue Jays collapsing, Scherzer's faulty start, and uh, the emergence of SpongeBob Gonzalez. I got the Padres. Like I, I mean, that comeback by the the Mariners on Saturday was huge, but the Padres look good and they knocked off a hundred win team in the Mets, and they seem like they're gathering momentum and everything going on with Musgrove last night. That was crazy. What did you think of all that, Taylor? I I kind of agree with the sentiment that like Buck was just sort of doing his due diligence. Um, Almost his job, to right, be honest. Right. Like, you yeah. agree with me with the Farrell comparison and what John told me? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. I it just I, I and I liked how Musgrove handled it too. He was like, okay, you want to check me? Great. Like, let's do it and, and let's then move stick on. it to him. Right, right. exactly. And that was awesome. That was the best part of the game, I thought. So yeah, no big deal all around. A little little dust up, but whatever. We'll all move on from it. Um yep. last one for today, Kate Harrington at Cadington 10 writes in about Bonds' record being legit or not. Uh, reminds her of the current situation about what you call Queen Camilla. She is the queen consort, but her actual title is Queen Camilla, even though a lot of people don't want to acknowledge that. I kind of like the idea that Aaron Judge is the, uh, the king consort to the home run <laughs> throne. What do you think? Well, well, would it be Aaron Judge is the king consort, or would it be that uh, uh, Barry Bonds is the king mm. consort. I mean, by the comparisons. Right, I guess right? it's choose your own Kate, king I, consort. But I love it by Kate. That was a great observation. <laughs> yeah. I, But I think Bonds would be the king consort, right? King consort. Uh, I, no, I kind of think it's the, like, I, for me. No, I, no. It depends on wrong. who you see as the one true no, king, talking right? talking about Bonds. 
Yeah. She's talking about bonds. She's saying the question is whether bonds is legit. She's not questioning judges' legitimacy. And that's where the comparison is. Come on, read right. it again. I know. I'm reading comprehension, clearly not one of my skills, <laughs> as, as evidence on this edition of Bleacher Tweets. So uh, keep writing them in so I can read them incorrectly. Um, and yeah, we got a, no baseball tonight, but we will be back tomorrow and every day this week. Yeah. Just to remind everybody, during the postseason, we'll pretty much be doing podcasts daily, unless you know we get an early end of the LCS and there are a few days off. We might take one off uh, in the midst of that, but we're going to have daily podcasts during weekdays, uh, and we're going to have Sarah Langs on with us every day, and that'll be a lot of fun. Uh, that's it for today. My thanks to Sarah, to Tim, to Sarah, Taylor, Mandy Bell. Have a great day, everybody. Thanks for listening. Stay safe. And remember, hate and inequality based on skin color is something we need to fight against every single day.